What's up? This is Taylor Stroll, your host of Forte Catholic Radio, live on the air tonight from the Red Sea Radio Studios in College Station, Texas, jamming on and dancing along to the music today to start off the show. And I have a great show here for you today. I'm very excited about today's show. We have just so much to get into talking about giving and receiving mercy here in this first month of Lent, this first week of Lent, sorry, excuse me. Please excuse me, um, or or you can tune out. I, I don't really care because uh, we can't see the numbers of people listening live, but we totally can on the podcast. So if you're listening to the, on on the podcast, welcome. If you're listening live in your car driving home, welcome. If it is great to have you in today. So um, I just want to kind of start off by saying some of the. There's been some really good things and some really bad things going on today. So let's do the bad ones first. So. Today, I was driving to work, and uh, I was carpooling down to Brenham, which is about an hour away from here, and we got, the the ride was kind of shaky. I was like, well, this is kind of odd, right? And then uh, we get there, and the guy who I was carpooling with is like, hey, I'm going to go put some air in your tires. One of your tires is real low. It's like, all right, that's cool. Uh, I was in a meeting, so he, like, while I was in the meeting, he went to go change the tire. Uh, Shout out to Justin Kroger for being a good dude, wanting to go... uh, uh, I, I want to say that it was completely unselfish. You didn't want to help me. I think you just didn't want to die on the way home. I think that's probably where he was at. So uh, whether you were selfish or unselfish, J- Justin, thanks, buddy. Uh, so he went and filled it up, and then I got back to work, and the, the it was completely flat again. I was like, well, this can't be good, right? So uh, I went to work, went to track practice, and then I, fi- I went to fill up the tire. I was like, oh, this is you know, like now that it's happened twice, I know that it's it wasn't just flat. Like there's something wrong, right? So I walk over to my car after track practice, wanting to come over here to do some prep for the show and just kind of rest and relax. Go, go, I was going to go out to eat and just kind of chill, right? Uh, that was not the plan. The, the, that, that, was, that was my plan. Apparently, it wasn't God's plan. God's plan was to throw a, a nail into my tire this morning. So uh, I filled, up the, filled it up with air enough to get me to Discount Tire about 10, 10 minutes away. Um, that's our, uh, d- this, this show is not brought to you by discount tire, but I really like them. So shameless plug that I'm not getting paid for. Go get, go to discount tire. I, I hope you get a nail in your car tomorrow. Um, so <laughs> everybody in here is very angry at me now. I don't know why I'm, I'm just edgy today. I'm just edgy today. Um, uh, help me Jesus. This is the time of uh, reconciliation and returning to you. I, I will go to confession tomorrow. Maybe I'll do my confession on the air. That'd be fun. Um, so I get over there, I put enough air in to get to discount tire. I get to discount tire. I'm like, hey, man, this is, I like, he remembered me because this is where it really gets crazy. I was in there two weeks ago because I had a nail in my tire. <laughs> so, like, these guys are starting to get to know me on a first name basis, right? So, I get my iPad out so I can, like, do my show prep at discount tire. I get my wallet um, and then I take my keys and I'm like, oh, you know what would be a great idea? So I just knocked two birds out with one stone, right? I was like, there's a Cracker Barrel, like right over there. I can just walk over there. I can eat dinner while they fix my tire, and I can do my show prep because I'll just, you know, be that loser eating alone in Cracker Barrel uh, at, at 4.30 in the afternoon, like a loser, right? So uh, I get there, and they all look at me like like very sad, like, oh, I wonder if his date like didn't show up, right? I, I got that face on me, I guess, today. Um so I get my food, and it was just absolutely terrible. <laughs> like, I was so disappointed in my food, and then I'm doing my show prep. Um, so the good, new- good news is they called me, and they were like, okay, we fixed your tire. So I walked back over, and, like, it didn't cost me a thing. So that was the good news of all of this stuff is that it was under warranty. They fixed my tire. I got my show prep in. I got my humility for the day by, by, by being all forever alone at uh, Cracker Barrel, and I got uh, – um, it was very sacrificial of me because I ate a meal that I did not enjoy one bit. Um, so uh, Cracker Barrel is also not sponsoring this show for obvious reasons. Uh, so the second thing that's very sad about today is uh, I'm a big Star Wars fan, and I've been watching uh, Star Wars Clone Wars with my son. It's a cartoon that is set between the episodes two and episodes three. So like, even though it's a cartoon, it's actually meant for like more like young adults, right? And that's about where where uh, where my m- maturity is, right? So it fits me very well. And my son is almost four, so he likes uh, 
cartoons, right? So we've been watching it together for about a year, just watching an episode or two, episode or two together. And then uh, I don't know how, how familiar you are, with, you are with Netflix, but like when things are about to go off Netflix, they give you like two weeks notice, right? And I'm like, what the crap? I have like three seasons left on Clone Wars. It expires tonight. So I've been, I, like, I've been so busy with work and traveling and all this stuff. I was like, I haven't, I haven't, like, I'm a, I love watching stuff on Netflix. I love playing video games. I've done almost none of that in the last, like, month or two. So, like, last week, I was like, all right, I have, like, two days off. First two days off of, like, 2017. So I'm like, I'm going to watch Star Wars. And I, I did. I watched, like, a whole season. But I still have, like, a, a season and a half. And it's going to expire tonight. And uh, so my sacrifice and my joy is to be on the show tonight, not watching Star Wars, right? But uh, that transitions right into the good things today because, number one, I'm here. I'm super excited to be here. Um, We have a great guest today. Tim Staples is on the show today. Tim Staples. From Catholic Answers, I've looked up to Tim since I was in college. Like what? Like whenever I was getting challenged in my faith, there was actually high school. When I started getting challenged in my faith, I'd go to this website called Catholic Answers. We've had people from Catholic Answers on the show before. Um, a lot of those guys, Carlo Broussard, who was on a couple of weeks ago, the reason he works at Catholic Answers is because he wanted to be just like Tim Staples, right? And so Tim was a um, was a is a convert to the faith. And it's just, he's like, he has just taught me so much without me ever meeting him, right? So after years and years and years of me learning from this guy, I finally get to meet him and talk to him tonight. So I'm very excited for that. Um, also, the new Star Wars trailer just came out today. We just watched it like, like right before the show. And I have some theories about that that we can get into on another show. I'm real excited about that movie. Um, another good, other good things today is uh, we got uh, Jake, our, our, uh, our producer has has figured out how to do sound effects on on the show now. So we have this app that we've been using to, to do to do music. So now he's figured out the sound effects. So I'm going to give him about five seconds to play with his favorite sound effects. Ready, set, go. Yeah. Amy, right? I know. Congratulations, Jake. You, you are the bomb. Thank so, you so much. Um, this is forcing Jake to actually listen to the show now. <laughs> so Dang. so that he's to dig it. He's so sad. Um Normally he just sits in here and plays on his phone and just uh, uh, he's actually, he's very professional. Whenever people call, he's like, uh, do do your pitch, do your pitch. Whenever people call, like for for our uh, for our interviews. Yeah, yeah. Um, then, you know they pick up the phone. Hello, hi. This is Jake Blazik, producer Forte Catholic. I'm gonna go ahead and put you on through to Taylor now. They're like, whoa, I didn't expect <laughs> to, that. Um, okay, I'm gonna go ahead and talk to Taylor then. Yeah, it's super weird because for like four seconds they think the show is professional, and then they, then they start talking to me, and they're like, yeah. "Oh no, this was more what I was expecting, right?" <laughs> so uh, um, another another good news today is one of our coworkers, the the girl uh, lady who actually is the reason that I'm in this community, the reason I work for Blaze Ministries. I've pretty much just followed her around the world. I've talked about her before. She was on the, like the first episode of the show. Uh, Miss Jennifer Stavanoa had her baby this morning. So shout out to Kateri Stavanoa, the newest member of our friends and family. Uh, we are very excited for Jennifer and for her husband, Jeremy, and for their new baby, Kateri. Um, and then the other very exciting thing is that I went to this conference this weekend called the Fullness of Truth Conference. We've, um, it's a family conference. You, I've talked about it on the show before. If you're a, an avid listener and you like, bin, you, know, you like binge listening to me on, on iTunes and SoundCloud, um, either for enjoyment or as part of your Lenin penance, um, uh, the leader of that, Thad Cardine, was on the show a couple of weeks ago. So we went and ran the youth track for them. Uh, in Corpus Christi this weekend. So a group of us from Ablaze Ministries, we had uh, four, four people go down on the ministry team and then some people to, to run our booth and just got to spend the whole weekend with, uh, there was about 60, 65 junior high and high school students uh, throughout the weekend that we got to play games with and, and give talks to and, and pray with. And it was just a really cool experience to get to meet those kids and then, and then to make all these connections with these other great Catholics. I think there was like 2,000, 2,500 people there um, with the adults and the kids and everybody all together. So it was a great weekend. And um, so uh, now that we've kind of jumped into that, um, I want to share a little bit about one of the things that I shared with the, with the kids this weekend. Um, we're in this season of Lent, which is all about prayer, fasting, and almsgiving, right? Um, so give me all your money. 
I, I will go radio silent until you donate to me. Or me. Oh, ne- well, okay. Never mind. <laughs> I, I, uh, that, that's a, th- th- this went downhill terribly. Um, that, that was... Th- you're supposed to do sound effects, not talk, Jake. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> All right. <laughs> he, 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 uh, he, he's not a professional at him yet. I think he's only, he only knows how to do one of the sound effects. So... Uh, I was talking, this is the season of penitence, right? And returning to the Lord. And one of the big things that that, that means is receiving God's mercy, right? During, during this season of, I almost said Advent. Did I say Advent earlier? During this season of Lent, because that's totally the season that we're in now. Uh, a lot of times there are penance services going around around all the parishes in the area, right? So I, there's, there's probably what, seven, eight, nine, ten parishes in this deanery. Kind of, the deanery is kind of the... So there's the diocese, right, which is around like the big cities. So like the Austin diocese and the Houston diocese. But then within that, because those places are so big, they have deaneries, which is like eight to ten parishes that are close to each other, so that they can meet and kind of do do things together. Because a lot of times it's hard to drive all the way to the to the diocese, right? So the the pastors in the deanery will all get together and they'll make a schedule so that like once like one time at every parish, so pretty much once a week all the priests go and visit the other priest parishes so that they can all hear confessions and you know, receive the sac- or give the sacramental reconciliation for the congregation. So you show up and, and you, you know get in line with eight priests, and a lot of people don't like going to their parish priests, so you can go to one of the other seven that you'll never see ever again, right? Until next year. <laughs> so uh, I want to talk a little bit about mercy, but before we do that, I, I want to sh- we, I, I, sh- I sent out this question today on Facebook and, uh, about Christmas presents, because mercy is one of the greatest gifts that God gives us. So uh, before we made it all holy, I just wanted to get some uh, some Christmas gifts, best best Christmas or birthday gifts anybody ever received. So put this out on Facebook, and uh, my friend Brenda Girdwood, who was a, a youth in uh, one of the parishes that I served in in Freeport, Texas. So shout out to Brenda. Um, she she uh, got married a couple a couple of maybe last year. Has a baby now. So what's up, Brenda? Uh, she said the best gift she ever got was a porcelain baby Jesus. Her parents gave it to her on Christmas when she was six, and she still has it today. And I think she's probably 19, 20, 21 years old, right? Uh, so that's really cool. Um, if I was giving something made of porcelain at six, it would have been broken well before I was seven. So congratulations to you, Brenda, for keeping that on. Uh, Mr. Fred Schellebarger, a good friend of mine, the director of evangelization and catechesis and like 700 other different titles in the Diocese of Sioux City, Iowa. Uh, He said, truthfully for me, the best present I've ever received is the same thing I look forward to every year. The excitement of my children's faces and in their voices, their quote unquote happy dances on Christmas morning. That's the best Christmas present I ever received. And so I replied, that's beautiful. I'm not crying at all. <laughs> and then he replied, me neither. Like, very point of So I was like, yeah, that was, that was super sweet. So um, good job, Fred. Um, when I, so I, Fred's the guy that brought me in to go speak at the, at the junior high and high school youth conference in Sioux City, Iowa, last October. And now I'm actually going back this October. And so he's the one. It, it, a lot of you who have listened to the show heard my crazy travel story to Sioux City, Iowa. He was like the savior in the story, right? Like there's Jesus who's up top and then Fred right below that guy as like savior of Taylor in, in, in that uh, crazy travel experience. So um, he's, a, he's a real good dude. Uh, Erica Donato, uh, she, she is, I'm sure, I'm sure she has like titles in her own right, but I know her as the wife of Chris Donato, who's a, who's a youth minister friend of mine. Uh, I met when I was a youth minister in the Houston area. He's with Adore Ministries now. Um, so I've, I, I, I've met her very briefly. Um, she said the best thing she got was a box set of the extended editions of all three Lord of the Rings movies that also came with a box set of the books. And she still has them 11 years later. I'm remaining with the point that if I got a book, it would probably would have ripped well before 11 years. So, um, so and, and then I, I followed up some questions. She said, yeah, she's read them and watched the movies multiple times in those 11 years. Um, and, uh, and then I was talking, my, my wife absolutely would love this answer. Because my wife, so like The Lord of the Rings actually wasn't three books when it was written. It was one book. It was a huge book, right? And so my wife was reading it when she was pregnant. Um, 
with with our, with Maggie, with our second baby. She was reading it, so she has this you know big pregnant belly, right? And she's carrying around this massive book, and it's this hardwood, like like hardback book that she's carrying. It probably weighs fifty pounds, right? And she's car- lugging this around, trying to read this book with these huge pages. And I, you know, we go to the doctor, and I'm like, Doc, like you have to tell her she can't. You told her she can't lift more than twenty pounds or something, and now she's carrying around this book. Like we're, we're going to have complications because of the Lord of the Rings. So that's never good. Um, and then, and then this, the the holiest person who, uh, well, there's there's somebody who answered really, really holy. I'll save her for for last. I'll go with the least holy answer first. <laughs> My friend um, on Facebook, his name is Monty Chris. Um, so maybe I'll call him that to protect his real name because he works for the Diocese of San Antonio. Um, he said Grand Theft Auto Four for the PlayStation Two. I'm like, D- I, I appreciate your honesty, man. He, kn- I, I even, I even told people like, hey, I'm gonna share this on tonight's radio show. So he has the boldness to be like, yeah, that video game that every Catholic says they hate on the radio and then plays at home. I'm, I'm bold enough to say that I, that I love that game. Best Christmas gift I ever gotten. Uh, so shout out to Monty Chris. You know who you are. Um, uh, one of the other answers before we get to the super holy one. Uh, Cynthia, Cynthia Bravo Galang, who is a youth minister in San Antonio. I've led worship at a church before. Her son is like this awesome, awesome musician. So, uh, hey, Cynthia, how are you? She said, good health and God's cover on my family. I was like, okay, that's the second holiest answer. Like, um, And then I, I, I essentially asked, so she, you know, she asked for good health. This Christmas, I've now decided because of Cynthia's answer what I want for Christmas. I'm asking God to give me back my six-pack abs. Like, I don't want to work for it. I didn't have to work for any of my other Christmas gifts. I, I just want to wake up on December 25th, 2017 with a six-pack abs. Um, so, yeah, um, that is some of the greatest gifts we've ever received. Uh, Jake, you prob- I think you said you tried to answer this before and you couldn't figure it out. What was your favorite Christmas or birthday gift you've ever gotten? I never actually um, received this gift, but um, they knew that I wanted a new guitar. My parents did, so they got everybody in my family to like pitch in a bunch of money so I could buy whichever one I wanted. That's awesome. It was great. So cool. No coal for Jake. So uh, so here's the deal. We're going to keep talking about this in the third segment. Uh, we're going to keep talking about receiving the gift of mercy and then sharing it. But when we come back, the highlight of tonight's show, because in the third segment, you just you should just stuck with me. Mr. Tim Staples is coming on. We're going to talk about the greatest gift that ever happened on Christmas, the actual Christmas, Jesus and his mama Mary. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Forte Catholic. As promised, we are here with our new friend, Mr. Tim Staples, uh, the, the apologist and, uh, from Catholic Answers. I am so happy and proud to have him on the show today. Tim, how are you doing this evening? Man, I am doing fantastic. It's great to be with you. Yeah, it's great to hear, great to hear, to hear your voice and finally be on the air with you. We set this up a couple of weeks ago, and I've been looking forward to it ever since. I was telling you a little off the air that I've been, I've been following you for, I, I counted it out, just about 10 years when I was in high school and college getting challenges to the faith, I would go straight to Catholic Answers, and almost every question I had tended to be answered by you. So thanks for your ministry <laughs> for all these years. Well, I, re- I really appreciate it. Thanks for your kind words, and uh, it's, uh, it's great to see that folks really are listening, and God's grace really is working, man. That, that's a blessing. It really is. Probably the, the, the funniest and most interesting story about uh, you uh, in, in my world is I was leading this men's Bible study, and we, uh, all we had was this little CD player, and we had a CD um, from Catholic Answers of your conversion story, and all like 12 of us gathered around this little CD player, these little speakers, and listened to yeah. your conversion story for an hour and a half. So it was good times. <laughs> <laughs> That's something else, how that, that conversion story has made its way all over the world, you know, whether in book form, you know, in Surprised by Truth, or in DVD, e- C- DVD form, CD, and even there's still some eight-track or not eight track, but what cassette tapes out there? You know, <laughs> <laughs> there's a few people that still even have those. But uh, yeah, what a blessing, man! It's just 
telling my story of, of how God's grace worked in my life. And, you know, we all have a story, don't we? And I, I think that's something Catholics don't do enough is sharing what God has done in their lives because it serves to be a blessing for others, right? Yeah, exactly. That, that, uh, that testimony that I know that, uh, that you from Protestant background are definitely familiar with. Yes. Um, that, yeah, we, we really all do have a story. Um, I, know, I know you do today for us about, about your book. Um, but before we kind of get into that, oh, yeah, and, uh, by the way, for those of you listening that don't know what a tape or, or that it, what a uh, tape cassette is, cassette tape is. I'll put a link in the show notes for those under thirty who don't know what a cassette tape is. <laughs> so, uh, so before we get into your book, uh, most people listening live on on our Catholic Radio here at Red Sea Radio know who you are. But there are a few people listening on the podcast that have maybe never listened to Catholic Radio. So if there was a, t- I know you, you we, like I've heard your conversion story on CDs and in the books and all these things. Um, just like a little one minute, two minute intro of like your elevator speech of what you tell people. Who is Tim Staples? Yeah, well, I was born and raised a, a Southern Baptist evangelical. Amen, brother. Preach. Amen. <laughs> Absolutely. And from the time I was a child, all I ever remember about Catholicism is it was crazy or it was demonic. You know, it was in error. And it, to me, it was just it was a no brainer. How could anybody with a brain that works be Catholic? Right. I mean, you guys call priests father and Jesus says, call no man father. And we could go down the list. And so that was my life as, as a youngster. I got away from my faith in my teen years, but I came back through some wonderful brothers and sisters in the Assemblies of God, and uh, my faith took off there. I became a youth minister in, in an Assembly of God community. I went to Jimmy Swaggart Bible College. Uh, young folks probably don't know who that is, but he was a very famous um, Assembly of God evangelist way back when. And, you know, I was just on fire for my faith. But what happened was I met a Catholic who really knew his faith. He was ready, willing, and able to defend it and explain it. And he rocked my world, man, and he got me started on what became a two-year intensive search where I started out trying to disprove the Catholic faith. I was going to write the book to end all books <laughs> to, to show the errors of Catholicism, and that's how I became Catholic. I, I then spent six years studying for the priesthood, discerned I wasn't called to the priesthood. Uh, I left the seminary. I, I came into the church in 1988. I spent six years until 94 in the seminary and in formation for the priesthood. Uh, left there in 94, and I've been working now. It's hard to believe. The last 23 years I've been working in professional apologetics and sharing the Catholic faith all over the world. That's so amazing, man! It, 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 like such a story of hope, you know that that such a drastic change in your life for sure. <laughs> setting out to write the book against Catholicism and ended up being <laughs> one of the most prolific Catholic authors in the entire world. So, uh, what a change! What a change! So, speaking of your books, um, you, one one of your most successful books is uh, "Behold Your Mother." And th- one of the reasons that that you're on the show today is number one, obviously, to promote your book, but number two, like. I know uh, having a lot of Protestant brothers and sisters uh, that were my friends growing up, Mary was always one of the biggest like hangups for people, as I'm sure it was. My guess is that it was for you as well, because you've written so many books on Mary. Um, yeah. So, so why did you set out to write this book, Behold Your Mother? You know, um, it was really out of a passion. Because Mary was the last obstacle for me in becoming Catholic, it, it was really the, I, I would say along with the Eucharist and papal infallibility, the Assumption and the Immaculate Conception were the two craziest doctrines in my mind. I thought, you know, how could anybody believe this? But when I began to dig in and see the biblical as well as historical foundations for these doctrines, it blew my, my mind. And so after becoming Catholic, this book was years in the making. It was something that that really I knew I had to write. It was many years of research, and, and man, it, it turned out really well. I, I defend the Marian doctrines exhaustively, and not just the big four, the, you know, the infallible uh, doctrines, Mary's mother of God, full of grace, you know, uh, the Immaculate Conception, perpetual virginity, and the Assumption, but I also uh, defend Mary as Mediatrix, Co-Redemptrix, her role in God's plan of salvation, and her queenship. And it's been phenomenal, as you said, the numbers, it's incredible that the sales have, have really blown us away at Catholic Answers. And, and I think one of the, the most important things I do 
in this book is I, I not only give you the apologetics answers, but I also, in each section, show you why each one of the Marian doctrines is crucial for your spiritual life. All of the dogmas of our faith, according to the Catechism of the Catholic Church, paragraph 89, are crucial for our spiritual lives. But a lot of Catholics even don't see how Mary and the Marian doctrines are crucial for their spiritual lives. And so I think that is one of the most important things I do in this book. No, that's great. And I, I, uh, I was able to read up a little bit about the book before uh, the interview today. And one of the questions that I had actually goes along with what you were just saying. One of the quotes um, on the back of the book says... Um, that he, you, uh, shows us all the, how the Marian doctrines are relevant, even essential, to a salvific faith in Jesus. And one of the biggest yeah. questions I've always had about Marian devotion as a Catholic, uh, probably because a lot of the pushback I've got from my non-denominational friends, is, can like, I've never been a big, like, rosary prayer, right? Like, I've, I've probably yeah. said hundreds and hundreds of my life. But I'd yeah. rather, you know, I would rather go read the Bible and pray with that, or I'd rather go to Mass. So, like, can a because you say that these, these things are essential. So, can a Catholic yeah. go to heaven without a Marian devotion? What would you say to that? Right. It's a, it's a great question, and the Catechism of the Catholic Church tells us that devotion to the Blessed Virgin Mary. I believe it's paragraph nine seventy one, as I recall. Um, devotion to the Blessed Virgin Mary is intrinsic to Christian worship. So it's not an option for Catholics. It's not an option if you study your Bible. I mean, you think about it. Mary is the mother of God and the mother of the Church. She's our mother. I mean, if Jesus is our brother, she's our mother. Even more, if we're members of the body of Christ, then of course, you know, you ever met a mother that's only the mother of her baby's head? Of course not. <laughs> She's the mother of the entire uh, baby. Well, she is our mother because we're members of, of Christ's body. And as such, the fourth commandment applies here. Honor your father and mother. We have an obligation as Catholics to honor Mary and all the members of the body of Christ as well, in accordance with their gifts and callings. And this is part of the virtue of piety. It's really an act of justice. Justice is to give, to give honor to whom honor is due. And so we owe honor to the Blessed Virgin Mary. And if we were to refuse that in accordance with right reason and what's been revealed by God to us, yes, that we would be culpable for that. In fact, you know, there's, when Jesus talks about the two greatest commandments, right, it's love God, but it's also love your neighbor as yourself. Mary is a reminder of that. We treat other members of the body of Christ, our fellow human beings in general, determines whether we're going to go to heaven or not. Just, you know, it's not just how we treat God and, and worship him. Yeah, and uh, kind of a follow-up question on that. You were talking about the importance of of respect for and reverence for Mary, and and my kind of follow-up question on that is: I know there are a lot of Protestants. I was just I was just talking to a Lutheran friend of mine who has a lot of respect for Mary, but would never ever in a million years think to pray to Mary or say a Hail Mary or say a Rosary or whatever. Um, yes. So so what would you say to somebody who who does have a lot of respect for Mary as Mother of yes. God? Uh, why should I should I ask Mary to pray sure. for me, or why should I say a Hail Mary? Sure. And, and remember, as I said in that, that first part there, we're talking about somebody who knows. If, if you know the fullness of the truth that we have as Catholics, and you choose not to obey that truth, then that's when you would have culpability. I know, like myself, there, there are millions of our Protestant brothers and sisters who are where they are through no fault of their own. They've never even heard some of the things that you and I are talking about right now. We, we leave the culpability and question of whether, you know, Joe over there is going to go to heaven. We leave that to God. But what, what we say is, look, um, we are Christians, and so we are bound to worship God and relate to one another in the way God tells us to, right? So when, you know, St. Paul, for example, talks about how in Colossians 1.24, I fill up that which is lacking in the sufferings of Christ in my body for his body, the Church. That tells us that our sufferings affect one another's salvation. We're involved with each other's 
salvation. First Corinthians twelve twenty one, St. Paul says, Can the eye say to the hand, I have no need of thee? Can the head say to the foot, I have no need of thee? And it's a rhetorical question. The answer is no. We need each other for salvation. That has to be made crystal clear, you know, as members of the body of Christ, that, you know, to say that we don't need each other for salvation would be like my finger saying to the rest of my, my body, oh, I don't need you. I'm going to jump off this hand here and I'll be fine by myself. No, <laughs> you're going to die, finger, if you jump <laughs> off this body, because the finger needs the rest of the body for, for blood, for nourishment, in order for it to remain vivified. So if we're going to remain, as Jesus talks about in John 15, 1 through 6, you know, I am the vine, you are the branches. Abide in me. Well, we also have to abide in the and And for that, we need the other members of the body of Christ as well. And so when we talk about Marian devotion, honoring the saints, praying to as well as for one another as members of the body of Christ, either those who have passed on or in heaven or here on earth, Man, we're talking about salvation here, bro. We need each other, and Mary is just the quintessential example of that. Tim Staples just called me bro, if you didn't catch that, and that made my life. So thank you there, Tim. <laughs> <laughs> and and, uh, and thanks, thanks for sharing that answer, because that's always something that I've just had questions about myself. Um, we have a few minutes left here, and you were talking about um, the historical and, and, uh, and scriptural um, accounts of Mary. And I know we're, that we're in this Lenten season and that, yeah. uh, that, you, were, that you talk about her importance in uh, leading up to the crucifixion and, in, and then after the yeah. resurrection. So what, was, yeah. what, was the, what, do you, what would you say in about two minutes? What is the most important yeah. thing for us to talk about in, uh, in this Lenten season that you would like to share yeah. with us to help us in our, in our Lenten journey? You know, I'd encourage your listeners to get a hold of the book. In the section on Mary's role in God's plan of salvation, I point out the famous prophecy of Simeon in Luke chapter 2, verses 34 and 35, where, of course, he encounters the Holy Family. God reveals to him that he's looking at the Messiah, and he utters these famous words, Behold, this child is set for the fall and rising again of many in Israel, and he is set to be a sign of contradiction. Of course, that's referring to the cross. Right, and how he is going to suffer and die for the salvation of all. But then he turns right to the Blessed Mother, and he says, And behold, a sword will pierce your soul as well, that the thoughts and intentions of many hearts will be manifest. So the same many that Jesus dies for, Mary suffers for. And of course, that's fulfilled preeminently at the foot of the cross, where the Immaculate Heart of Mary is joined to the Sacred Heart of Jesus in suffering beyond anything we can imagine. And, and those sufferings, as Pope St. John Paul the Great said in Salvafici Dolores, I believe it's paragraph 25, those sufferings contributed to the redemption of all. In Lent, we are focusing our lives, we're walking in a sense in the footsteps of Mary, to join our sufferings with the sufferings of Christ as Mary did at the foot of the cross, and not only for our own salvation, though that is certainly true, we have to take up our cross daily, Jesus says in Luke 9:23, or else we cannot be his disciple, but we're also called to suffer for each other as well, joining our sufferings with the sufferings of Christ and making a difference in our world. That, my friend, is what Lent's all about, and that's how Mary can be kind of a prime mover for us an inspiration, if you will, to carry our crosses this Lenten season. Guys, if you didn't catch that, Tim Staples just called me a friend. That also made my day. <laughs> but <laughs> no, this, this this has been great. And I, I like Mary has always been one of those things that I, I just have a ton of questions about because I get questions and I don't always know how to how to answer them. So I appreciate you sharing that with us. Um, if, for people that want to go check out the book, um, yeah. where would they find it? You can go to, of course, it's at Amazon.com. Uh, you can also go to Catholic.com. Check out the shop there. And they actually have little samples that you can read. You can read a portion uh, of the book before you buy it there. So go to Catholic.com. Check out the shop. The book is Behold Your Mother, A Biblical and Historical Defense of the Marian Doctrines. And if people want to get connected to you, are you on social media? Do you have a website? How can people find you? 
I am right now. My my uh, website is being uh, overhauled. It's timstaples.com. I'm also on Facebook, but timstaples.com should be up and running here pr- pretty soon. We've got some new and really cool things. We're going to be uh, we're going to be uh, uh, making available to folks here pretty soon. So catholic.com, timstaples.com. Well, thank you, Tim. This this really has been a dream come true for me. I want to thank you for coming on the show, for answering these questions about Mary, for all your ministry that you've done um, throughout, what would you say, 22 years, 23 years? in apo- 23 professionally, hard to believe. 23 professional apologetics years. Just thank you for so much, all, all the things that you did with uh, for, for the goodness of the church and then hanging out with me for about 17 and a half minutes. Uh, God, God bless <laughs> okay, you, brother. brother. All right. God bless you. Now keep up the good work. All right, thank you. All right, guys, we will be right back with our third segment of Forte Catholic, talking about mercy, receiving it, and giving it. We will be right back. final segment of if this segment goes well which i'm planning for it to do if this second go if this segment dang it i'm already messing it up if this segment goes well it will have been the best show i have ever done this has been fun i hope you guys are having fun um we're gonna get back into this uh what we, what we talked about in the first segment about giving and receiving mercy a lot of us really like to receive the mercy of god we like to receive this present and then we just hold this present as our own, and we don't like to share that present at all. Um, so we were talking about like best Christmas presents anybody's ever given, right? I went through all the ones on Facebook. Um, I got one here on uh, on Twitter from Mr. Dean Olet. He has a lot more followers than I do on Twitter. He's kind of a big deal. Um, he said, uh, "My my, uh, I, 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 this is going to show how how non manly I am. My .20 rifle. What is that? A twenty gauge? I don't know. Some kind of gun." Um, he got it when he was six and uh, would later trade that in and a, th- and a three-wheeler for my first dirt bike. So now I'm picturing Dean like doing like deals in the street. Like, hey, I'll give you, I'll give you this gun and a, th- and, and a three-wheeler for your dirt bike. And some kid's like, all right. <laughs> Sweet. Uh, he said that he wrote it most of his life. Um, they, he, traded the, he traded because the gun was too powerful for a six-year-old. So I just pictured like him standing with this gun, and he shoots it one time, like shoots him 40, 40 feet behind him. So he's like, never mind. I want a dirt bike. <laughs> All right. Uh, we have, uh, we, we have, we have uh, a studio audience here of two. <laughs> the producer's required to be here. And then Sam Shepard is also here. I also had one adoring fan just come into the window and point at me very lovingly and mouth, I love you. <laughs> that was a lot of fun. Um, also, also uh, Sam, what was the, what was the best uh, Christmas present you ever got? Well, when you said that, the first thing I thought of was when I got this Cabbage Patch Kid <laughs> when I was really little. It was like my favorite doll. I played with it all the time. And you could like, it was like automatic and you would feed it in its mouth and it would drop into its back and you could like take it out of its back and then feed it again. So it had like a banana. And That's called poop. <laughs> no. <laughs> you put it in the mouth and it comes out the other side. And so it was my it was my favorite gift for like the longest time. So I really liked it. Well, f- that's that's a fantastic story. It's such a pleasure having you here. <laughs> my mom, my mom, though? my mom threw it away because oh. it got it got recalled because it was eating little girls' hair. <laughs> <laughs> so the hair would go in the mouth and come out the back, and it would be like and stuck. So it'd be like like on a little girls' hairs. So my mom threw it away. It was really so, sad. Uh, so the real question is whether whether Cabbage Pet kids or Furbies were the scariest chil- kids. Oh my children. gosh, Furbies. All right, so let's let's talk about. So we're you know we we all love receiving gifts, and a lot of gifts like the best gift I ever got. I've t- I think I've told the long story before, but long story short. Um, I received a Nintendo 64, the Christmas that came out after like my parents absolutely told me they weren't giving it to me. Right? Um, I got a Nintendo 64, and like I love video games. I've been a gamer since way before then. I'll be a gamer for a very, very long time um, until like you know the world ends. There's no more electricity. That's gonna be when I stop playing video games, or I guess when I die. Whichever one happens first. Um, Although I am convinced I'm going to be a Pokemon master in heaven if, if I get there. <laughs> after, after my uh, elongated years in purgatory, I'm going to be a Pokemon master. Um, 
So, like, a lot of gifts we receive, they're a lot of fun by yourself. Video games are fun by yourself. But they're, like, that Nintendo 64 was, like, the first big multiplayer. Because, like, Nintendo had multiplayer. There was, like, Mario, and then your little sibling was Luigi, right? Like, that was the extent of, of, uh, of multiplayer. On Nintendo 64, there were four controllers. Ooh, right? So you could play multiplayer. It was a lot of fun. It had, like, the worst controller of all time. <laughs> that we, like, made no sense in your hands. How do I even hold this? It was a lot of fun watching people trying to figure it out. But uh, a great gift, but it was better when it was shared, right? Same thing, like, with I, I love sports growing up. I love playing basketball. I would play basketball for hours and hours and hours by myself, just like I went to crack a barrel by myself today and got sad looks. Um, but I would go play basketball in, in, in my uh, driveway all by myself for hours. And, like, it, I did it because it was fun. Also probably because my parents wanted to be out of the house for a few hours. But also because, like, I wanted to get better, right? Because the, the only, like, we all know the only reason I played sports is so, like, because I'm a competitor and I just wanted to win, right? I wanted to be better than everybody else. That's why I was practicing, right? So even the whole point of that was so that I could go share my gift with other people, right? Share it with my teammates and then shove it down the opponent's throats because that's what you're supposed to say on Catholic Radio. So uh, most presents that we get are great to receive, but they're better when they're shared, right? And as I mentioned earlier, like this great gift we have from God, like the whole purpose of Jesus coming was to share his mercy with us, right? Was to show us love through mercy was to die on a cross. Like, that's what we're moving towards in this Lenten season is the crucifixion, death, and then the resurrection of Jesus, right? And we all, like, go in. We're like, oh, yeah, praise Jesus. We can't say hallelujah because it's Lent. Bum, bum, bum. I'm doing my own sound effects because Jake isn't paying attention with the new sound effect board. Um, <laughs> he's stuck. He can't figure it out. Um, so we love receiving this gift of mercy. But we don't like to share it. And bef like to preface this, I, before you think I'm crazy with what I'm about to say, I just want to walk through the Our Father with you pretty quickly. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. The kingdom come, that will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. That's scary. Why do we say that? <laughs> so like we're all like, okay, essentially what we're telling God is, hey, if I don't forgive that person that hurt me, don't forgive me. It's like, wow, that prayer just got real. I, I, I Normally when I say it in mass, I'm like tuned out and wondering if I'm supposed to hold the hand of the person next to me and I'm not actually praying. What I'm actually saying is, hey, God, if I don't forgive people, don't forgive me. Bum, bum, bum. Still can't find it. All right. <laughs> So, so I want to look at, 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 a, at a parable here, uh, the parable of the prodigal son. It's a story that I'm sure almost everyone, if not everyone listening, has heard this story. Even people who don't read the Bible know the story of the prodigal son, right? But my question for you is, who are you in the story? Who do you relate with the most? So here's how it goes. It says, then Jesus said, a man had two sons, and the younger son said to the father, father, give me the share of your estate that should come to me. Okay, we have to talk. <laughs> we can't even go any further than that. What is he asking for? He's asking for his inheritance, right? Um, when do you get your inheritance? When your parents die. So this story starts with the younger son going up to his dad and saying, Hey, Dad, I wish you were dead. I want your money, not you. All right, dads, moms out there. Picture your kid coming up and telling you that. Or kids, imagine what your parents would do if you walked up to them and said that, right? You'd th you, so think of all the natural responses. And then think about the father's response. So the father divided the property between them. He just does it. It's very odd and striking to me. Um, after a few days, the younger son collected all his belongings and set off to a distant country where he squandered his inheritance on a life of dissipation, a life of sin. When he had freely spent everything, a severe famine struck that country, and he found himself in dire need. So he hired himself out to one of the local citizens who sent him to his farm to tend the swine, the pigs. Uh, and he longed to eat his fill of the pods on which the swines fed, but nobody gave him any. 
All right, so this dude's life just drastically changed in a matter of sentences, right? We don't know if this was a couple of weeks, a couple of days. Um, the the father seems to be a fairly wealthy man, so I hope he didn't go through it in a couple of days because he just got half the dude's money, right? Um, he goes from being in his father's house to leaving and quote-unquote getting everything he ever wanted, right? All the stuff that he wanted, all the, the life of sin, and you can insert whatever you want to insert into that life, right? And then he loses all that money. Then he has to go get a job probably for the first time his entire life. His job is tending swine. And then he longs so longingly for the food that pigs eat. The same way I long to eat pigs on Fridays in Lent. Right. All I wanted this last Friday was bacon. That's all I really wanted. Right. Uh, He's desiring to eat pig food. This dude's life just went to the tank. Right. So coming to his senses, finally, geez, Louise, coming to his senses, he thought, how many of my father's hired workers have more than enough food to eat? But here I am dying from hunger. I shall get up and go to my father and I shall say to him. Father. I have sinned against heaven and against you. I no longer deserve to be called your son. Treat me as you would one of your hired workers. So he got up and went back to his father. While he was still a long way off, his father caught sight of him and was filled with compassion. Man, like, so this is the the second time we're hearing about the father. The first time we hear about the father, the son walks up to him and says, hey, I want all your money. I wish you were dead. And he gives it to him. Doesn't say a thing, right? And then this son's been gone weeks, months, maybe years. And they lived like in the middle of nowhere, right? I'm like, when I read this story, I picture like them living on a farmhouse in the middle of nowhere, right? The father has been this entire time looking out onto the horizon, waiting for his son to return for days, weeks, months, years. The son who the last thing he said was, I wish you were dead. He's waiting for that son. And if somebody walked up to me, talking about natural responses, right? If I had a teenage son and he walked up to me and said, I wish you were dead, give me all your inheritance, and then he left, I'd probably be like, good riddance, right? And if I ever saw him again, it probably wouldn't be a happy reunion. But here's where God and I are different. (laughs) Just this one way. (laughs) While he was still a long way off, father had been looking for him. He caught sight of him and was filled with compassion. So the son who, 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 who looked him in the face and said, to heck with you. He's filled with compassion upon seeing him. He ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. Now here's the other deal. Somebody who's just been hanging around with pigs and eating pig food, first thing I'm going to do is probably not embrace and kiss them. I'm going to be like, hey, man, I know we have to talk because you did some things that were bad. I want to forgive you, but the first thing you need to do, dude, is shower. Like, you got to get over there and take a shower. So the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I, I no longer deserve to be one of your sons. But his father interrupts him, which I think is really interesting. Because what the son wanted to say was, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I no longer deserve to be called your son. Treat me as you would one of your hired workers. All he gets to is the first half. Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I no longer be called, deserve to be called your son. And he gets cut off. But his father stopped, ordered his servants, quickly bring the finest robe and put it on him, put a ring on his finger, sandals on his feet, take the fattened calf and slaughter it. Then let us celebrate with a feast because this son of mine was dead and has become to life again. He was lost and has been found. Then the celebration began. Woohoo! And that's a lot of time where the story stops, right? Great story of redemption. A lot of people like a lot of these things people think about all the time when they read this story, right? I think the key for us as Christians, as people who are trying to live for God, is actually the next section because I think we probably relate a little bit more. So it's now the older son had been in the field and on his way back, as he neared the house, he heard the sound of music and dancing. He called one of the servants and asked what this might mean. The servant said to him, your brother has returned and your father has slotted to the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. Immediately, talking about natural reactions, he became angry and refused to enter the house. <laughs> He's like, I'm not going in there. Probably some righteous anger too, right? 
That guy looked at my dad and said, to heck with you. I want your money. And he's been there slaving away and working away in the father's house while his brother's out there wasting all this money on a life of sin, right? So he refused to enter the house, and the father came out and pleaded with him. He said to his father in reply, look, all these years I've served you, and not once did I disobey your orders, yet you never gave me even a goat to feast on when you slaughtered the fattened calf. He said to him, my son, you are here with me always. Everything that I have is yours. But now we must celebrate and rejoice because your brother was dead and has come to life again. He was lost and has been found. So after listening to that story, who do you connect with in the story? And every time I, I, I give this talk, I gave this talk this weekend at the Fullness of Truth Conference. Um, I ask, and a lot of people say the prodigal son, right? Because a lot of people, they connect with that story because it's like, you know, I, I ran away from God. I left God. I wasn't, living, I wasn't living a Christian life. I wasn't attending mass. I wasn't praying or whatever it was, right? And when I returned, I felt like the father came out and embraced me and took me back, right? And a lot of people connect with the older brother. And I think a lot of church people are like this. It's like, oh, I want to receive God's mercy, but that person's not worthy of it. You know the life they lived? Just like the younger brother, right? This life of sin, which if there's kids listening, so I'm not going to describe all of that, but think St. Augustine, right? <laughs> life, a life of deep, deep sin. Think about the looks that those people get whenever they come into our pews, right? Or when there's somebody who's like, oh, can that person really be forgiven? You don't know what they did. They've had kids out of wedlock. They've done this. They've done that. They've had an abortion. I'm better than they are, right? But we're forgetting the great mercy that God has given us. We're forgetting our worst sin. We're forgetting that like, the whole reason Jesus came was to forgive sins and to meet us in the depths of all of our sins. Mine, yours, the worst person in the world, the best person in the world. So who are you in the story and who are you supposed to be? We're supposed to be the father. Because we as Christians are supposed to be little Christ, like little God running around, right? Because God's dwelling within us. We're supposed to be the father in the story. The one who lovingly greets the son who, is, who has run away and who guides the older brother who is not showing mercy, right? And the most interesting part of all this to me is that, like, the younger son got his inheritance. Because a lot of people are like, oh, there's no consequences for his actions. He doesn't get an inheritance when his dad dies. Everything that the father owns is the older brother's now. So, like, there is reward for sticking with the faith, for staying with the father, for working with the father. But God wants all of his children to return. So, um, this has been another episode of Forte Catholic. Thanks for listening, either live or on the podcast. If you ever miss an episode or want to find out some, find the other episodes, go to www.fortecatholic.com. Have all the episodes there. We will be back next week. Say it! <laughs>